WTF, we're doing a podcast. I'm Nikki. And I'm Michelle. This is 50. Welcome to What the 50. Join us on our continued journey to simplify our lives. We will seek the answers from the experts and offer tips, tools, and techniques to live your life with confidence and joy. Are we ready? Let's go. So, Michelle, today we have Deborah Chen, who is the executive director of the Heart Foundation of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, um, Debbie, that when we were talking about guests and I said, you know, I wasn't too sure what your role was. I said, you know, the top person there, <laughs> the heart foundation is like the oh, big boss, exactly. the big boss. And I was saying to Michelle before how um, you were a nurse. So right. tell us a little bit about how you got into becoming um, the executive director at the Heart Foundation, because you started out as an ICU nurse. That's right. So I I did my nurse training um, in England and I specialize in the intensive care of heart patients, coronary care. And I never did want to stay there. So I came back to Jamaica and was working at the university hospital for a while and um, in the general medical ward. And then I I worked for quite a while doing sessional work on the intensive care unit. After that, I did a couple other things in between. And then this job came up at the Heart Foundation of Jamaica for the manager for the medical services. Um, that was in 1992. And then I think it was in about maybe a year later, um, I was asked to take over the role as the general manager, which they eventually changed to executive director. So I've been here ever since. So this year I've actually been at the Heart Foundation of Jamaica 30 years. Wow. For about maybe 28 or, you know, out of that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And Debbie, I know that you're also a scuba diver. Yeah, that's, my other that's amazing. Yeah, that's my other passion. Public health is one and, and yes. scuba diving is another. It's just an amazing world down there. I actually did my, my certification when I was in England, if you can believe in that cold water. Everybody knows that I don't like cold water, <laughs> but somehow with wetsuit and everything, because it was an opportunity, you know, it's the first opportunity I had to do the course. And so, of course, I, I did the training there, which was actually a good thing because it was mm-hmm. quite thorough. And I've been diving ever since. I've been diving since I was about maybe 19 years old or, you know, so I've been diving for many, many years now. So I dive most weekends, weather allowing, you know, and unless there's some other issue, but most weekends and do travel overseas from time to time. Of course, COVID put paid to that, but, right, um, you know, to see the underwater world. But it's very relaxing. And I think we all need some some place or some activity that, you know, can give us some stress relief. Of course. Good for the heart. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we, mustn't, we mustn't downplay the impact of being stressed out on our health generally. Right. Yes, for sure. Yeah. But um, Debbie, one of the big things that you have done in your career has been with the tobacco ban in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how... Yes, boy, that struggle, <laughs> it's a struggle and it continues as literally as we speak now. So... Um, I think we all know pretty much the impact of tobacco on our health. I, I mean, our parents and grandparents were smoking quite merrily. But as, as time went along, you know, the evidence became clear. The evidence was there from many years ago, from probably the 1920s, 1930s. But the tobacco industry, of course, 
um, rubbished all the science and, you know, put fake science out there. And because, of course, it's their bottom line. Okay. But eventually, nonetheless, in about 1954, the U.S. Surgeon General's report for the first time put pen to paper to say, you know, that this caused lung cancer. Since then, um, it has been associated with many, many cancers and, and other illnesses, many illnesses, including heart disease. So, of course, um, the World Health Organization now with overall responsibility for health issues globally was, you know, what, what, what are we going to do now? This is a major problem. So they set about creating the first global public health treaty to do with tobacco. So, of course, now that they, they did, it took years to develop this treaty. The Heart Foundation of Jamaica, through our, uh, we're the Secretariat for the Jamaica Coalition for Tobacco Control, that is made up of all the leading medical organizations in Jamaica, like the Medical Association, the Nurses Association, and all the NGOs like the Cancer Society and so on. So we formed this group around that same time when the World Health Organization was putting together this treaty. So our first um, lobbying efforts was to support the government of Jamaica at the time to sign the treaty. Well, that is water under the bridge now, and they eventually signed it in the early 2000s, along with the majority of countries in the world, and it's now um, in force. Now, part of that treaty is that you have to meet these certain criteria, and one is no smoking in public places, and so on, and right. so on. At the time, the, the then Minister of Health, um, Dr. Fenton Ferguson, was very strident in, in pushing for the public, um, you know, no smoking in public places, along with the graphic health warnings on the cigarette packages. There was a lot of pushback and it would take an entire program just to talk about tobacco control. But suffice to say, under the under the, the framework of the Public Health Act, he was able to put that in without going for the full legislation in Parliament. So, And that was due to tobacco industry interference in terms of how, how can we get this in as soon as possible. So that is in place. And of course, the Jamaica Coalition for Tobacco Control, which I'm a member of, we were lobbying hard and... We, got, we applied for funding to help to support the government in this effort. So we were there, you know, neck and neck with the, with the, the Ministry of Health. Um, but that was only part of it. So, okay, we got those two things done, in, you know, with, with, with great problem. But anyhow, they're there. But the legislation still is still not there. And as we speak, the legislation has been put forward to Parliament. It was referred to a joint select committee, which, is, which has been meeting since last year. I personally presented to the subcommittee um, representing the Heart Foundation of Jamaica. We also had the Jamaica Coalition for Tobacco Control, Dr. Agri Irons, he's the president. He he gave his presentation and we actually have, we've had about the select committee met several times, maybe about 10 times, and they have a meet, two more meetings left. And, and of course, there's a lobby to, my words, water down the legislation in the interest of those with vested interests. And we are lobbying against that because we think the legislation as it is, is is quite good to protect the public. So as we speak, when that finish, when the deliberations finish of the Joint Select Committee, which I understand should be soon, it then is put to Parliament for debate. And there is another set of you know issues there as well. So we continue to advocate to do what we can in the media with our limited resources and to support the Ministry of Health in this effort. So it's a very long road and it's um, it's very complicated. And the public probably don't realize what goes on behind the scenes. But the long and short of it is to protect the public from tobacco, whether, whether it's public places to ban um, advertising and sponsorship of tobacco. And of course, the new kid on the block, the e-cigarettes. 
I was just going right, to say. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So does that, does the legislation cover e-cigarettes yes, as well? Yes, the legislation had that from day one because we're well aware of these developments in our world as soon as they come about. So we have been following this for, for many years. And yes, it, it is covered. And when the legislation speaks to, for example, no smoking in public places, it does also include e-cigarettes. You'd never know mm -hmm. that by when you go out in Jamaica. But you're not allowed to smoke e-cigarettes in public places either. Okay. Just because you cannot see the smoke or it's not as obvious as tobacco smoke doesn't mean you're not inhaling it and, and it's impacting you. So it actually is banned in public places. But um, as you see with the youth, you know, everybody think it's the, the greatest, latest exactly. thing. You know, yes. tobacco, cigarettes are all hot. And they think, but it is not safe. It may, it may not have some of the ingredients that tobacco has, but it's not safe. You know, mm -hmm. it has some, it has a base, it has a chemical base that was never intended to be inhaled into people's lungs. It's heated by this little battery. I don't know if you've ever really investigated one of these devices, but there's a battery operated thing that heats the liquid. And mm -hmm. then you inhale that liquid into your lungs, but the liquid has many chemicals in it. Mm -hmm. And of course, our lungs were never made for anything except oxygen, you know, fresh really? air. So there have been health implications. And as we speak, the research is being done and more and more studies are coming out. Of course, it hasn't been a long, a, around as long as tobacco, right? So cigarettes. So you're not going to have the plethora of data yet. But so, you know, we're hesitant in, in what we say, but suffice to say, it's not safe. Also suffice to say that, um, and the, the problem is the ingredients are different in different ones. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, it's, it's not a commonality. Um, also those with nicotine of which many have nicotine, nicotine has, is researched totally. I mean, the, the impact on the, the developing brain in, in adolescence, you know, the, the addictive nature of nicotine, um, which, which is an ingredient in, in most, I wouldn't say all, but most. And then they claim they're not targeting children. So if you're not targeting children, why would you have cherry and apple and strawberry flavor if you're of targeting people? No, it's total nonsense. It's just the industry's way to try and brainwash everybody into thinking that they're they're not as harmful as they are. But really mm -hmm. and truly, they're all about the bottom line. The other thing is, generally with tobacco and with e-cigarettes, with what which have nicotine, um, smoking is not a choice. It's an addiction. Mm -hmm. It's only a choice for the first few times you smoke. After that, it's not a choice. So don't this thing the tobacco industry say, oh, it's an adult choice. It's not an adult choice. It's an adult addiction or a youth addiction. Right. Because it's not as if you can just say, oh, I'm finished with this habit and put it down. Right. You can't mm -hmm. because physiologically you're addicted. And so we, our concern is not our complaint is not the smokers who we try to help with their cessation along with the National Council on Drug Abuse. It is the industry who continue to titrate the, not the nicotine in the cigarettes to the level that you are addicted. Mm -hmm. So there's a move afoot now in the US. Um, there were some recent articles trying to um to to legislate that the amount of nicotine is lowered. Okay. Right? So that yes, if you do smoke, you then won't be so addicted. Mm -hmm. And then if you choose to stop, well, one in that scenario, one could talk about choice. But right now, choices, choices is a misnomer. There's no such thing as choice. It's an addiction. <laughs> Legislative changes are always difficult and they take years. But I know you're oh. also advocating for front of label packaging, for that changing. Yeah. And for, for sugar yeah. content in, in our juices and so on. So tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. So as you say, legislation. So almost yes, my entire time here, it has been legislation. But, you know, 
I'll just say something general about that. Whereas we have to see the individual patients, and we do that every day here at the Heart Foundation of Jamaica, you can come in and be screened and, you know, right, right up to, you know, you know, a cardiologist and other tests. Uh, really and truly, we need to stop the hemorrhage from the source. Correct. But, you know, the source of it and the source of it is our um, is legislation. We have we need legislation mm -hmm. to stop it. So we will always have our trickle down. What we're seeing here is the end result. Mm -hmm. And just treating that is never going to get us anywhere. So while we're seeing patients on a day to day basis, one of my main roles is the advocacy and the legislation. So if they pass it tobacco control legislation and we'll come to front of pack labels as well, then we will eventually see a decrease. Now, we didn't get here overnight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Remember? We, we didn't get every year when the every not every year, but every few years, the Jamaica Health and Lifestyle Survey have done a population survey. And every single time, everything has gone in the wrong direction. It is quite shocking. You know what I mean? So now we're at 31.5% of persons that have high blood pressure, for example. Over 50% of the population are overweight and obese. And if you go backwards in time, those numbers were less the last two times the survey were done. And now we have the third. Can and you I, imagine I said, what's going to happen with the next one after COVID? As, as, as I was going to say, because the last one was 2017. What's the post-COVID survey? Right, post um, so we that? don't know now. So given that they did one in 2017 and it's a lot of money to the research, they probably mm -hmm. will, will do it down. But in terms of the figures, like high blood pressure, because I have it here, 2001, high blood pressure was 20.9%. Then it went to 25.2 in 20, 2008 and now we're at 31.5. Wow. And all the other figures, the diabetes, the, the, the cholesterol, the obesity and overweight. So um, obesity was 19.7. Um, Well, let's say overweight was 45.7. That's anybody over a certain body mass index. 45.7 in 2001, which wasn't good then, gone to 51.8, no, 53.9. So, so any legislation we do is not going to be fixed immediately. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to take a while for us to revert to our, our more healthy diets and to cut out the smoking and not to start the e-cigarettes. But on the matter of front of pack labels, so one of the leading risk factors for heart disease, 80% or so of which is preventable, has to do with improper nutrition. Right. And and the obesity figures that you see here show show the evidence there. So what it is now is, you know, after the war, during the wars and so on, after that, there was food insecurity, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And it, at the time, it was it, it was encouraged to have manufacturers of food and processed food and naturally preserve food for the troops and all of that. But then as time went along, it went too much in the other direction. And now we're eating ultra processed food, even when we don't have to. Mm -hmm. So now with the, with the proliferation of ultra processed food, when these products, some of them, I'm, I'm hesitant to call food, actually, because I don't know that they're food. They're chemical combinations that are, and if you look at the package, you cannot pronounce half of the words. Of when they're being developed, it has to do with food scientists who are looking at taste and cost. Health is not one of the considerations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, we are where we are. So what, do, what are we going to do about it? And what we want to happen, and, and I say we broadly, mm -hmm. we, the Heart Foundation, are pushing but this is what the World Health Organization, the Pan-American Health, the Ministry of Health here, and many other advocates globally. So it's not a thing that the Heart Foundation of Jamaica are on a jolly of their own, is to give people the information with which to make informed choices. So, okay, mm -hmm, of course, this of stuff course. is all in the supermarkets. That, that is another story. 
but is to make informed choices. So at the moment, if you look at the back of these labels, no matter your educational level, I guarantee that you don't know what they say. And also, you are rushing now. You're rushing home from work, rushing home, picking up the children, yes. and you're pushing your trolley around, and oh my God, it's raining, and I have to get home. And you're supposed to take up every single label and say, all right, um, 30 grams of sugar times one or two things at the top divided by four grams per teaspoon. Therefore, this drink has in 12 teaspoons. That is not going to happen. If not you can first of all, right? First of all, it's, it's in such small print. Yeah, you can't even see it. And with us, at this stage, the over 50. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you see, it. that is a non-starter. However, there are industry people that are quite happy for that because when of you course, don't know, you don't course. know. So, you grab it. so what we're advocating for, so a study was done in Jamaica by the Pan-American Health Organization and UTEC, and they went um, in, they did a proper, properly designed study mm -hmm. and they tested several types of labels in the Jamaican population. You know, there's a traffic light, there's, there's different types. And the one that came out as being the most effective, meaning that the people understood what it was saying, was this black octagon shape. So it's a, it's a black octagon shape, black with white writing in the middle. All it says is high in sugar or high in salt or high in fat or high in calories. So what will happen is that on the front of the package now, so you take up a drink or a pack of cookies, I don't know, and you don't see any black octagon, you say, okay, so this is within keeping then. I can buy this. Or it may have three black octagons on it. Salt, fat, and sugar. You say, oh boy, you know. All right. I like this thing, so I'm going to have it today. But then I kind of mind, you know, I won't have it. You know, and you kind of decide. Right, right. You decide what you want to do. Right now, you put everything in your trolley and you have no idea what you're buying. So mm -hmm. we're advocating for these front of pack labels to inform the consumer so they can choose what they buy. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, we're getting no end of resistance. Of course. Because truth be told, maybe a lot of the stuff in the supermarket is going to end up with one, at least one octagon. Mm -hmm. But that's what we're saying is, OK, reformulate then. Right. You you know that this thing is above the, you know, the, the standard required for, for optimal health. So try and reduce the sugar, try and reduce the, the, the salt, whatever. Right. People, it's not that people won't buy them again, but they, they'll choose. But you're going to be worried now about your sales. And to be honest, we have had some manufacturers um, who are trying. It is not mm -hmm. everybody. We have some who adamantly are fighting tooth and nail for no change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Up to and including the fact that the Heart Foundation of Jamaica was sued. But oh, we do mm -hmm. have other manufacturers who are genuinely concerned, never were aware of it before. And say, oh boy. Oh, you know? Of course, mm -hmm. I have to look at their... You know, products, are they going to taste good? What can I and do? Can I right, right. and the taste yeah. is going to be affected. So, so we, we appreciate that. And any rule that came out or law like this would not be immediate. You know, if it were even not to be agreed, there would be a two-year or something, right? And and people would have time to rethink. Of course, hopefully the market would then demand healthier things and then just not buy the things and then people will be forced to have to do something. Right, right, right. Then we become more in tune or more our taste buds with less, a little less salt, a little less sugar. And then hopefully in the long term, we would see our health status improving. It's not one thing. Eh? It's not like you're going to say, well, front of pack labels is the, is the only thing. Mm -hmm. there's okay. other things there's health education programs you know there's in um the ministry of agriculture to um more look at the farming and if necessary subsidies so that we can we have more right. access to fruits and vegetables throughout the year 
so that uh, what we were saying was that um, the other thing that we're advocating for without any success whatsoever is a tax on sugar with sweetened beverages. Right. That um, the, the money with which we, we, we are proposing could be used, for example, to subsidize the school feeding program mm -hmm. so that they mm -hmm. could use the money to buy the fruits and vegetables from the farmers and also to support education programs, but using the money for our children then. Of course. You know, healthier programs in schools and subsidizing the various meal meal programs in schools and so on, right? And that is where the money would come from. Um, people I think are more aware. As you said, we had the sugar campaign. Yes, and that was that seems relatively effective, don't you think? The yes, I mean, and we did and have some post-evaluation surveys, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that it's going to result in sustained change. People end up going back into old habits. But at least if people pick up something and realize that. Wow, I need to be careful because any most of the, the, the sugar sweetened drinks, um, one drink is more than your daily allowance. So yeah. it's 60 spoons a day for women and nine for men. But there are drinks with nine, 12, 15, 26 teaspoons in one, one. drink. A drink yes. that's in one. One that is a normal size that could be reasonably considered to be consumed at one sitting. I'm not talking about the two liters. Right. The two liter has 52 teaspoons of sugar. So if you were to drink, let us say, let us say all day long, you, you have several drinks, right? Whatever the drink may be. But supposing every every drink you had for the day was a two liter. Let's say you drink two liters of liquid for a day. Right. But every time you drank, it was a sugary sweetened beverage. And you drank a two liter amount of liquid a day. You'd end up having drunk 52 teaspoons by the end of the day. If it were a sugary sweetened beverage every time. Wow, so if you use that as an example, that's crazy. And yeah, there's even sugar in like in everything. Some of those flavored waters, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some of those have like nine teaspoons. So people tend oh. to drink them thinking that they are better. Well, well it may yeah. not be twelve or fifteen or twenty-six, but a lot of them have approximately nine. You and know, there's a, a lot. Less, there's still a lot of yeah, Most more. likely, you drink several bottles for the day. Right. That's not realizing thing. how much you're consuming. That's the thing. So if we mm -hmm. had a label and you is not, you can't have your drink, you know, you may decide you like it. For instance, you may have a slice of cake, but you're not eating cake all day, every day, but you're drinking all day, every day. And that's the thing with the drinks. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yes, you are going to have sugar in excess sometimes. It's a birthday. You have a slice of cake. You have some ice cream. That's a different thing because it's, it's now and again. But what's happening with the drinks is that we do drink all day long, especially in a hot environment. And if every time you drink for the entire day, it is not water, then chances are you're putting more sugar into your body. So where do you draw the line? And um, the other thing is the misleading labels. A lot of the time on the front, fruit drink, the only drink, the only fruit in it is a label in some of them. <laughs> you know, so it, 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 it's misleading. They may put yes. a flavor. So... All we're saying is whatever it is, mm -hmm. the public should be given the information to make an informed choice. And if they choose to have it, then that they can do so. Hopefully mm -hmm. over a period of time, people will buy less and less and the companies will reformulate and continue to make a lot of money. Of course. But the and products that are healthy. Yeah. But there's yeah. a cost to the government and we don't recognize the cost for each ah. individual when they're when they, when they have these non-communicable diseases. Yes, I so mean, we have done, there's been research done on that in terms of the cost to the health budget of these um lifestyle choices. Of course. Some are not choices like the addictions, but lifestyle um behaviors. And it actually is it's just because you're not equating it directly, but all of the strokes and the heart attacks and the 
you know, the, the impact of obesity on, on various other disease processes is definitely a cost to the government. But it's because it's not immediately obvious, you know, and people just kind of go along. But it's the government's responsibility to, to protect public health. It right. is expected that the people in the private sector, their thing is to make money. That's perfectly fine. It is the government's responsibility to protect public health. And they must set policies that protect public health. Mm -hmm. And that and that puts certain parameters in place. So we fully understand why people will be upset with persons like the Heart Foundation of Jamaica, the Ministry of Health Power. We understand that. But our our growth is that the government, the government of Jamaica are supposed to put in policies to protect the public health. And that must include, I mean, recently, you know, there have been restrictions on the amount of sugar that can be in the drinks in schools, for example. And that was on a, on a reducing scale. So that's good. Um, for varying reasons and COVID, we need to get back on track with the with the oversight. But that's a good move on the part of the government. So we need things like, you know, to govern. There is a national school nutrition policy, um, you know, in its final stages now. And that will govern what's stolen in schools. But some schools have fast food joints in the, in the school, mm-hmm. selling yeah, things sure. that these children should not have. So you're going to get pushback all along the way. But that's the government's responsibilities to public health. So they are the ones that need to set the tone via the school nutrition policy, the tobacco control legislation, the front of pack label policy, and so on. Yeah, but I think, you know, just in terms of lifestyle choices and mm-hmm. the awareness on how we should be, what, how and what we should be consuming is so important. Of course, and It has yeah. changed over time. When I was growing up, I mean, we would probably have maybe once for the week or maybe twice for the month, we would have fast food. Mm-hmm. It yes. was not something that we yeah. consumed when I was growing up. I mean, French fries, that was something, but we, we just never had it. And we or would, we made it at home. Right. Or we had Pepsi once a week. I remember on a Sunday... It was like well, a treat. It was a treat in a jar, and we would drink. Yeah, that's we never it. had soda treat. at home. Actually, we never yeah. ever had soda at home. Yeah. Um, it was a treat, and that's it was fine. A treat. You know, and 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 it's not that you can't have these things. You know, it's that you need to have. You need to be mindful, have them in moderation. But the most important thing is to be aware, right? Because if you are aware, way, having it in moderation is where it becomes difficult. Because yes. the ingredients causes you to want more. That's true. And because more even more. sugar is, is an yes. addiction. And there's been many yes. studies yeah. spoken about that, you know. So right. but you see what it is here, it is it is um profit and industry versus public health. Of course. And us in public health, of course, we don't have funding, right? So we are an NGO, a charity, along with our partners on a shoestring trying to give the public the right information, and then we're up against the powerful persons who can you know who control many many things in the society but what we are saying is people should be given the information and the information needs to be understandable from the lowest literary level to the highest level absolutely so it can't be oh well there's a label already no really Mm -hmm. you know who is going to who can it we have a you know in some segments of our society low literacy but you shouldn't that is not relevant you just need to be able to look at something and know if it's if it's has too much salt or not, for example. You have high blood pressure, right? There's somebody I know who um is a lecturer at university and she was having high blood pressure problem. And she was telling me gleefully that how she had cut down her big breakfast in the morning. So the yam and the banana, and she used to get up early and that's her thing, good. But she says, no, I have this thing. And so what I am doing is I stopped all of that. So every morning I have like five or six crackers. And I was like, five or six crackers. <laughs> but I started to send me the label. 
of the particular thing she was consuming. She was having more than her entire day allowance before she left the house in the morning of salt. Oh, oh no. my goodness. And probably right? the banana and the yam and stuff was better. better. Absolutely. Better. Absolutely. So I went, oh my goodness. So when she sent me the label of what the brand she was using, I had to put, not only that, remember people with high blood pressure need a low salt diet. What I'm talking about was like a normal daily alone. So she shouldn't even be, she wasn't even allowed, for want of a better word, that amount. Mm-hmm. And she was quite trying her best and stressed out and she just had no idea. Mm-hmm. So, so she's the, a university so, lecturer then. So I had to write back and say, hmm, okay, better you come and see a nutritionist here because, you know, really this is a little off track, you know, and maybe you'd have been better having, you know, your banana, yeah, banana. And, and your yam. So why don't you come and, and see the nutritionist and help sort you out? And she was very happy for that. So the point I'm making is many people, even the diabetics that come to the nutritionist here, they're sometimes frustrated in nutritionists because they say, oh, but I'm having, and they name a particular product. And the product is not healthy, but because of the marketing and how it's positioned, they don't know. And the nutritionist is saying, why is your sugar still high? And when they sit down and do a diary, Mm-hmm. They realize that they're having the person thought they were having something healthy, you know. And you have other products that say low fat, but they're full of sugar. Right. So it, it, anyway, so the whole the only way to solve all of this is to have a front of pack label saying hi in whatever it is. Right. And then you know. So if my friend wanted to have her salty crackers, well, she could decide how many. And how often each week, and she could decide whether it's worth the risk or she may cut down on it and still have a cracker now and again. But then she'd be aware that in her situation, she's a little overweight and she has high blood pressure. Um, is it worth the risk and where do you draw the line there? But right now, as it stands, even us, we're not aware. We pick yeah. up things and we think we're buying healthy things. Yeah, yogurt, all of those things that we think are healthy have a lot of sugar in them. My yogurt right. actually reads labels now. Sometimes it gets yeah. a little bit um, <laughs> annoying, but he literally takes up packages and no mom, it has blah, 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 too much, I of, agree. That, too much of that. And he's That's the way to go. He, he will not eat fast food. He would prefer to go home and prepare something. Mm. Um, yeah, so it, it's, it's a challenge. Education in the schools right. is mm-hmm. excellent. And that brings me now to the Heart Foundation. And mm-hmm. we're just coming off of World Heart Day which mm-hmm. was a big thing going on mm-hmm. with the lighting of Emancipation Park and lots mm-hmm. of screenings around. But the Heart Foundation, as you were about to yeah, say, it's very active. And I mean, I love the fact that you're pushing not just for legislative changes, but also for to create that awareness. Right. And you do a lot mm-hmm. of work in the schools as well. So tell yeah, us so about we've, that. Yeah, so we last year was our 50th anniversary. So we were started um, 50 years ago by the Lions Club of Kingston. You know, there were a group of stalwarts there at the time. Peter Bangata, who has passed away, was one of them. At the time, there was something called a health and welfare committee. And um, there were some cardiologists in the club at the time. So with that, and they, at the time, rheumatic heart disease was, was a big issue. So that's how we got going. And, and the wow. Lions Club um, continued to be on our board of directors and, and still have oversight for the foundation, you know. So um, in terms of our general um, awareness and screening, so anybody can turn up at our office, 28 mm-hmm. Beachwood Avenue, and say, I want to screen. I want to know what's happening to my heart. You don't need a letter. You have to be a member to, to come in. Debbie, no, you don't have to be a member. Okay. If you're a member, you get further um further um you know reductions. But okay. you just turn up and then we will recommend chances are that you do some basic tests. And depending on the outcome of those tests, we would take it further if necessary. In which case, 
we have a pharmacy here. We have several cardiologists on different days. We have a biomedical lab and we offer more advanced tests. So if the cardiologist says you need to have an echocardiogram or a stress treadmill, um, whatever, then that could be done here as well. So wow. it's like a one-stop shop. So you do everything. And we do have a blood pressure clinic and diabetes clinic every Thursday and Friday um, till midday. So the doctor is there and people just turn up and just do their checks and get their prescription refilled or, or changed as necessary. And then we do offer the basic screening services on um, island-wide on the mobile team. So mm -hmm. organizations will call us and we will go and set up at church groups or um, health fairs that service clubs have or schools, whatever PT is. And we do do it island-wide as well. Mm -hmm. um, if you're a member, then there's further discounts. The um the schools program now, unfortunately, due to COVID, we are now right, trying to get back on track. So we're in about 10 or 12 corporate area schools. And I say corporate area, meaning St. Catherine as well. The problem is it's it's we don't have funding for the program so we have to do it in addition to our other work we have a group in england called the friends of the heart foundation uk and they give us something towards the salary of a full-time health educator okay. so what happened so we're not able to expand as we would like unless we were to get a project funded that we could you know really go go out. but in these schools we have a curriculum developed and it's a healthy heart club, which is an after-school activity. So if it's on a Tuesday at your school, you go and one week we talk about physical activity or nutrition. And there's a school coordinator. And um, right now we're in touch with all the schools and we're trying to get back on track. We had hoped to do it online in COVID, but the poor schools were so inundated with other issues that it never took off, even though we put everything online. So now we're going to start our meetings again, you know, any day now, and we, we continue. But we do give talks otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right now we do have a, a funded project, um, the Global Health Advocacy Project. And so because of that, we have some extra team members for the duration of the project that are available to go into schools and workplaces and give talks on um, nutrition issues. Okay. So it was through the project that we were able to run those ads about sugar and to run the current ads that we have on front of pack labels. Because the Heart Foundation of Jamaica in and of itself wouldn't have funding for that level of um of publicity. So we do apply for funding. And in fact, we have been funded at the moment. So that's how we're able to carry out that work. Okay. So if we have an organization or a school, mm -hmm. would the Heart Foundation come in to do something? Yes, so, right. Like so especially as I have the funded project now, um, we do have team members who have a listing and they will fit people in to come and, and um, give presentations bring their sugar samples showing how much is in which, you know, type of bottle. Right. Talk mm -hmm. to people about the labeling. Talk to people about... We do try to we do try to teach persons how to read the labels, although it's probably exercising futility in, in any population sense. Mm -hmm, but right. we do have sessions like that. We do give information if people are interested and just general, you know, heart-healthy information about how to live a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But do you also do outreach screenings? Like if at our yeah. school, for instance, if we said, oh, let's have them come in to screen the teachers. Yes, we, we do. And we have done that in the past. I said COVID paid to that for a while. No. But yes, we do. Um, We do go into schools and it is advertised before. They're mm -hmm. the PT and the teachers. And then we say, okay, the cost is X or whatever. And then we turn up on a certain day and we schedule people. So we can be in a school for a whole day or two, depending what they want. Some mm -hmm. companies that have us in um, may choose to pay for their their staff. It depends because, of course, you know, with COVID, right. everything, everybody's mm -hmm. in a tight economic situation. But um, we do go in some companies and they'll say, okay, you know, screen these 50 people and then what it cost before give us an invoice and you know screen 50 people mm -hmm. free for us or they may say okay they'll pay half or some companies may say over a certain age or maybe based on certain criteria 
What does a screening include? What's included in a screening? All right. So one of the things we do is an electrocardiogram, the ECG. Okay. Um, that is not a hundred percent um proof of anything. It's just an indicator. So it's that measures electrical activity of your heart at a moment in time. But that a, a negative or a normal ECG in and of itself is not a hundred percent proof that you don't have any heart issues. It would be best to do other things with it, like the blood sugar test, the cholesterol test. These are fingerprint tests in the screening process, blood pressure checks. And when you do the ECG and those blood tests, and you also have a paper, a form that we fill in your history. And when we ask you, do you have any pain and exertion, chest pain, things like that. So when we put it all together. So for example, you have a normal ECG, but you tell us that whenever you go up the stairs, you're having chest pain, then... The normal okay. ECG, you would have to be referred because mm -hmm. it may be that when you're at rest, nothing is really showing. But you need to do as maybe the cardiologist would recommend a stress treadmill because when your heart now is under pressure, it shows, it, it, it exposes okay. the risk more. Mm -hmm. So it just depends. It's just a first step. Mm -hmm. But everything has to be in place. The ECG, the blood pressure, the sugar, the cholesterol, and the history and family history too, if you have mm -hmm. a strong family history. So we may then recommend, okay, Go back to your GP, um, see the cardiologist, depending. If the ECG is 100% normal, but there's other indicators, we may say, okay, we stamp it, you know, take to your GP or come to our clinic. If the ECG itself is abnormal, the cardiologist who read it to determine that would have put a recommendation. Recommend stress treadmill, recommend stress echo, recommend you see a cardiologist, um, go back to your GP, whatever. So mm -hmm. obviously we would follow through on that, whether you want to stay with us at the Heart Foundation of Jamaica or if you have your own cardiologist or GP that you prefer to go back to. Mm -hmm. And then we get, you know, we just keep going like this. So we do all the tests, see what the end result is. Maybe you need to go on medication or we have a pharmacy and the medications wow. are like a one-stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a member at the Heart Foundation. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and if you're a member, it's, it's, it's less expensive as well. Okay. And then we just, and then the, 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 we may say to you, okay, how about seeing a nutritionist, for example? Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, because if you're overweight or even have high blood pressure and normal weight, do you know what foods are low salt? Exactly. You know, and, and, and what is low salt? So it depends what we find. But basically, you could really have all your heart health taken care of here up to the point where hopefully you don't need it. But if you have to go further. Right. So if they have to do an invasive test on angiogram where they put dye into the blood vessels of the heart and see if there's any blockages, then that would now take us to the next step. And then that would be done whether privately or at the university hospital, and then that would be a referral. But then having done that, whatever that is, certainly from monitoring and coming back regularly to see the cardiologist, then, then that could be done here. But what we're trying to do is prevent you from getting to that stage. That yeah, of course, of course, for sure. Because but I must say, yeah. I have access to services and they're excellent. My boys have been. Oh, really? Okay. Yes, um, excellent. It is just, it, it's the flow, the customer service, the, the facility itself okay. is actually really, really nice. I mean, congratulations. We try. We have to yes. kick up sometimes, but we try job. to offer good customer. What we try yes. to do is to remove the barriers to access. Right. You know, because everybody gets put off. Oh, I can't be bothered going there. I have to wait all day. Yes. I have to be, people are rude to me. I can't, I need a paper. It costs too much money. So we kind of look at those criteria and we try and eliminate them. Even You know, like I say, it's not all smooth sailing sometimes, but we do try to make mm -hmm. it accessible. Which so that important. now, of course, yeah. if and when we find something, then of course we take the next step. Of but course. we're trying to cut out all of that because some people just don't go, you know. 
they don't go because they just can't be bothered with the, you know, what they think they are going to encounter. You know, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. people who can't afford a certain level of, of care in the private sector, which we understand the reason for the costs, you know. Mm -hmm. We um we operate by the subsidized user fees we charge and by getting um whenever we need equipment, we try and get them donated. Okay. And that is why we are able to keep the cost where it where it is. So we fully understand why the price has to be different elsewhere, and that is fully understandable. We just try to offer a service that, you know, at least it's not free, it can't be. But at least it, it, it captures another set of people. Anybody can come. But we're concerned about, we have a lot of retired persons. They're on a very limited income. They have their little pension. The pension doesn't change. Inflation is there. Mm -hmm. And without coming here with their prescription, they have their NHF card, you know, their membership card. They, they go to the doctor in the clinic um, to check their pressure every three months or whatever. They, it, it enables them to, you know, to be able to maintain um heart health even with all the, the constraints. Speaking of um funding and equipment, the heart phone run. That I was guess. yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And that was literally yeah. fun. I mean, my boys were a part of that and they raised yes. money and they enjoyed doing it. They yeah. became aware of the service. That's how I became aware of the services of the Heart Foundation. Mm -hmm. And this was from prep school. And yes. they were able to not just hand a sheet and say sponsor me they had to explain what this was all about is to raise funds to purchase equipment right um you know yes. so they were also aware i became aware the persons they were speaking to became aware and i'd love yes. to see that again is that going to happen next february yes so what happened was that um that event morphed over the last three years into a two and five k run for your heart road race mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because people were more asking, when are you going to go on the road? So it was almost like times had changed right. in terms of format, you know? Right. So about three years ago, we, we modified it and we, um, have it, um, end of January, early February. And it started at Emancipation Park, running events limited, who do an excellent job, run it. And we, we had the 2K and mm -hmm. we also had one year where you could actually go around the Emancipation Park track as part of it. Cause you know, have okay. some young and because our focus is, is also children, we didn't want mm -hmm. to exclude parents who had young ones who maybe couldn't manage even a 2K. Right. But we did have the 2K that they can walk because we wanted our run to be different in that you didn't have to be a runner to come. You didn't yeah. have to say, oh my God, there's no way I could take place in a road race. But right, you, you can right. be anybody and you could walk slowly, whatever your pace is, and come back. Where we are with that now is uh, with COVID, of course, we didn't have any for the last two years. Usually it would be in January. We're not so sure we can manage it for this January because planning would have had to have started a long time ago. And mm -hmm. sponsorship. Yes, we really yeah. need um a title sponsor to help us with that. So even if we may not be able to have it in January, given the shot, it's almost Christmas, <laughs> you know. Uh, we may not be able to manage it in January, but most definitely following year if we don't okay. manage it. Um, and we definitely, it's an excellent event because it promotes exercise. Yes, I must say yes. something about exercise. You cannot exercise away a bad diet. So I don't want um, people to think that I can just exercise and then drink all the sugary drinks and all the, the you know, it doesn't work like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it promotes cardiovascular health. It's good for us mentally and physically, and it is necessary. But you cannot exercise away a bad diet. So it's in conjunction with healthy eating. And sometimes those with vested interests will try to say, well, you can exercise some more, but it doesn't work like that. So I just want right. to put pay to that notion. You can't exercise away a bad diet. But we're hoping to be able to get that back on track, if not this January, then next January, because it promotes it promotes exercise. And in our case, we want to bring the children in. That's, right? a, that's, that's a key part for me. Young, that's right? a key part for me. I mean, mm-hmm. and I, I, it was just and when we went to like the award ceremony and you saw yes. all the different schools. Yes. How they're so excited to be there. They're a part of this. I think that was excellent. I'd love to see that out again. Right. So what we did the last couple years, we had the run was before COVID. We actually, even though it was a similar format to other races, yes, except for yes. the 2K and they around the track, we actually had awards for our same categories that we had in the Heart Health Fun Run. So we didn't okay. do away with that. Right. So unlike other runs, we would have the school with the largest team and so on. And what we still did was we still visited the schools afterwards and yes. represented the awards. Yes. So yes. that the children that. could see. You know, so we would go to the assemblies um, after and ask the children to bring back their awards and we would announce and say thanks for coming and put up some pictures of the teams and would say so and so came yeah. second in the whatever age group you know things like that yes, so yes. definitely we're excited about it we're hoping to get back on track we desperately need a title sponsor um, the thing about that is it, pardon we're putting it out there for you yeah, for the please title sponsor. of course it has to be somebody who's um whose um, meth objective is in keeping with the Heart Foundation mission. It aligns with you, yes. Yes, it has to mm-hmm. align. Um, so we desperately need um, a, a sponsor. And they would get a lot of goodwill out of it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the so-and-so, run for your heart, 5K, you right. know, whatever that may be. You know, we did yes, have a sponsor yes. and that particular heart-healthy product, unfortunately, stopped being produced. So we're <clears throat> looking for somebody else to take that up now and to assist us. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point of it, one is fundraising, of course, to buy equipment. But the other part is to get the message out yes, in the promotion yes. leading up to it. Yes. But yes. the sponsor would get a lot of promotion in terms of us doing interviews, um, promoting stuff on social media, giving talks um, throughout the entire time from about September right through till January. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of time. For sure. Mm-hmm. Debbie, this has been great. Yes. So, so informative, um, especially now at our age when, you know, we become our parents. So how's your blood pressure? <laughs> how is your heart? Have you done your stress test? So true. Oh. So true. But you know what? The awareness starts yes. early. Yeah. And, and I thing. love that the children will be aware. They understand. They may not necessarily do it right away, but they are aware. Something stays up yes. there. You know what I mean? Take we want the children to say to our parents, Mommy, you can't put that drink in my lunch pack. Exactly. sugar. Yes, 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 for sure. You know, and, and drink water instead. That's what we keep saying. Drink water instead, you know. Yeah. Just and the other thing is, even if you mix drinks at home, you know you wouldn't be putting that amount of teaspoon. Yes, you can control the sugar. Right? Yes. So for example, let us go back. Right? Let us go back to the two-liter size drink that we can all visualize, right? Now let us assume that was in a jug form, which you know we have at home. And you are to pour it in there. So it'll be about the same. If you were mixing some kind of a drink, would you put 52 teaspoons in that jug? No, definitely not. not. That's it. So even if you mix drinks at home and you use sugar, let us say lime aid or whatever you want to put in there, right? You would not put 52. So it is still better to mix your jug, right? The equivalent two liter size and Mm -hmm. put sugar in it. You will not put 52 teaspoons. For sure, for sure. 
But anyhow, thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you for your time. And um, thank you. And all Thanks of for getting the message out. We hope people yes. will, you know, be aware. Get hard screened if they're in Kingston. They can come to us at 28 mm -hmm. Beachwood Avenue. I will send you the information for contact sure. yes. And we will put it in. And the page. prices. Yes. yes. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. Great seeing you. All right. Take care. Thanks for Bye. having me. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of What the 50. Please show your love and encouragement by sharing, subscribing, and leaving a review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram. And please join our active Facebook group at what.the50.